Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 53 of Women of the Northwest, where I interview ordinary women leading extraordinary lives. I'm your host, Jan Johnson. Today's guest is Amy Miles. Let's listen in to her unique story. But one of the things I always thought about was uh, my birth mother and um, what she looked like and what the experience of giving somebody up for adoption would have been like for her. So when I held Eli for the first time, I thought I really want to find her. Welcome, Amy Miles. Glad to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I have known you since you were a tiny little baby. (laughs) Um, Gosh, even going with your mom trying to go to fertility (laughs) doctors and wanting a baby so bad. It was just everybody was pretty excited when you came along. (laughs) You've lived in Astoria for... All of your life, really. Mm-hmm. I have about five years where I lived in the Hillsboro area in uh-huh. school, but other than that, yep, yep, Astoria, farm. living on a farm. Yeah, <laughs> and let's see, you married and have a couple of kids. How old are your kids? I do. Eli is twelve, and Emily is ten, and so I'm kind of venturing into the preteen years. Mm. Pretty, pretty fun. Oh. <laughs> Every day is different. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? But they are pretty sweet kids. Pretty sweet kids. I wish uh, I could have had them in classes when I was teaching there. (laughs) You're doing a good job. Thank you. I try. (laughs) So you had a story that I heard that um, at one point you were looking at your kids and how much you loved them. And that led to something. Tell me about that. Yeah, so when I held Eli really for the first time in the hospital, um, I just loved him so much, and I was very thankful to have him with me and and have him be and be able to be his mom and give birth to him. I'm adopted, and I I was born in 1980, and I was adopted to a lovely couple, my mom and dad, um, who are amazing. And they are and have been my biggest fans ever since I was little. But one of the things I always thought about was uh, my birth mother and um, what she looked like and what the experience of giving somebody up for adoption would have been like for her. So when I held Eli for the first time, I thought I really want to find her. Um, And I quickly got busy being a first-time parent and life went on and then in 2012 I had my daughter and I held her in the hospital room and I thought the very same thing gosh I really want to find my birth mother Um, because in my mind I saw her as a very strong and courageous young lady who wasn't ready to be a mom yet and had chosen adoption for for me and I was very thankful for that well, uh, fast forward a few more years of parenting and, and crazy little baby life. Um, <laughs> I had met a woman at my work and she was new to, we were new to meeting each other. And she had told me that she had given her first child up for adoption. And she was really glad that she had, and it had been hard for her, but they had developed a really nice and special relationship. And I thought that day, wow, I really need to do this. I really need to find her. 
And I went to my mom and dad's house after work that day. And, and I wanted to tell them what I was up to because I'm always up to something. And uh, I said, hey, mom and dad, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm interested in trying to find my birth mother. But before I started, I wanted to let you know what I was up to. And their reaction was very different than I had anticipated. They've always been uh, willing to answer questions that I had about my birth mother, but this was a little bit different. Dad kind of came in the room and walked right back out, and my mom was uh, at a loss of words and was kind of like, oh, well, uh, hmm, can I think about that? And Do you want to journal about this? And uh, little did she know that that's kind of a trigger for me, because whenever I was dealing with anything as a child, she would always want me to journal about it. And I was kind of like, no, Mom, I already know what I want to do. I don't want to journal about this. So I went home thinking, well, that's that was strange. Um, the very next morning was a day off of work for me. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm not a morning person. So my mom showed up at my house at, I don't know, 7.30 or 8 o'clock with two Starbucks drinks in hand. And I knew <laughs> and that was a trigger. There was yeah, something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely knew something was up. And I remember thinking, I don't know what's going on, but she's got something to tell me and I don't know what it is. But go ahead, come on in, Mom. And that was when she told me that uh, uh, my birth mother had gone into the hospital to have an abortion procedure and it was started and I was, uh, born alive. And, uh, so that was why I was born early. I don't think I mentioned that I have, I'm an adult with cerebral palsy, but I've had cerebral palsy ever since I was little. And I knew that, and I knew I was adopted. I just didn't know that the story that that was part of my story, that abortion was part of my story and my birth mother's. So what was that like for you to take in? Uh, it was overwhelming. I uh, can only it imagine. Was, it was one of those moments where time stands still, and I felt like the ground was going out from underneath me. Um, just, just I remember her talking, and I was pro- trying to process and I felt like everything was spinning in bits and pieces. Um, at the same time, uh, I'm a I'm a believer, so I lean on my faith a lot. I remember asking God, "Is this really true? Please, can this not be true?" Uh, because it was very different than the story that I had made up in my own mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, where do you go with that? That's a lot of questions about how. Oh, there was somebody that really didn't want me. And was it they didn't want me or did they just not want to be pregnant? So there's that too. And, and, you know, a lot to process. Yeah, I was a, I was a jumble of uh, feelings for a really long time. I'd love to say just for weeks or months, but it was really more like a couple of years. And I have a very patient husband who um, sat with me through it all. And I, I had a lot of grief. Um, I grieved that that my story was different. I grieved for the millions of babies that didn't get a chance to have life. And I did. I didn't quite understand that. I don't know. So it's almost like a survivor's guilt. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever fully understand that. Um, But I, I grieved for women just feeling like that, that, is their only choice. Um, I, I grieved for women in that situation. Um, 
just a lot of grief. I would spend a lot of time crying at night, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, how wonderful that you have a supportive husband because he wouldn't really understand what you were going through either. No, he was very patient. And um, he, he was the one that actually I, I got connected with uh, a network of other survivors of, of abortions. Um, even though our stories aren't exactly the same, they all experience, um, have survived an abortion from their birth mothers. And that was really life-changing for me. It took me a while to get there. But Jason was the one that said, hey, I know of this this place where you can go and I know this is your thing, but if you want to, there's, there's others out there like you. And had I, that ever even occurred to you? No, I kind of had to process what an abortion survivor was and what that really meant. Mm-hmm. And was it really a thing? And in the back of my mind constantly was this message of who wants to hear this? Like who wants to hear this story? Right. I can't even, you know, it was hard enough growing up with a disability and trying to, figure out how I fit into life like that. But then to add another layer to it, I was like, who do I talk to about this? It's not exactly something I can call my girlfriends up and say, hey, right, let's have coffee, <laughs> by <Right>. the way. <laughs> right. So um, I felt really alone and kind of like an alien for a while. Um, and then Late at night when everybody else was sleeping, I was Googling this. I was Googling abortion and survivors. So when you Googled, what did you find out? I found out that there were, in fact, survivors um, with similar stories to my own. The first two that I I read into were Gianna Jessen and Melissa Odin, who were really well-known survivors and uh, and I, Gianna Jessen also had cerebral palsy, same type. And she mm-hmm. has some of the same, same similarities there. And so I think that really drew me in. I'm kind of, a, um, you know, I've got some medical background a little bit, just being an occupational therapist. And I thought, huh. Um, so I was kind of intrigued by that. And I r- reached out and I attended Melissa Odin and she emailed me back and she has a network called the Abortion Survivors Network. And I was pretty amazed mm-hmm. <laughs> that there was more than just one or two or three. Um, I believe the network has over 600 survivors now that they're in contact with. Wow. And I, I never imagined that I would. You found your people. Yeah, I never <laughs> imagined I would have friends, you know, in other diff- other states, let alone uh, countries. So that's been pretty um pretty nice to do life alongside them and, you know, lift, lift each other up when we're having a hard time with things or just dealing with what it means to be a survivor or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's been really special for me. And I'm thankful that uh, my husband urged me to look into that because I really didn't think it was going to amount to Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, Oh, I'm sure you didn't even begin to know the scope of how that could be a help. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, been life-changing for me yeah yeah and where has that led you I've been able to um well I uh, first I went through some healing there's a healing program that they have and then I also went through a speaker's training for anybody who wants to put together their story mm-hmm. and so that took several months and then I uh, shared my story for the first time in Texas in 2021 that must have been a little scary it was I'm not a speaker. I'm not one to get stand up in front of the crowd. I'm pretty shy and quiet. 
actually in real life. Um, but then I also did some sharing of my story in Washington, D.C. Mm. And then I just got back from Kansas City from uh, an event there. So I'm getting more used to standing up in front of crowded rooms and sharing my story with people. Well, and it's not just the, I mean, it's enough to stand in front of people and do anything, <laughs> let alone to be so in a vulnerable position. Yes. Telling your story puts you in a real vulnerable position. It does. It does. I hope it, I hope I can bring people hope and truth. That's, yeah. that's my goal. What kind of things do people ask you? Well, to be honest with you, I think sometimes it takes a while for them to process just like it did for me. Uh, I think um, the thing I've heard the most is, wow, there's how many did you say there were? Um, and what this, this thing happened, this, these things happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's kind of the first questions I get. And then I often get asked if, uh, about adoption. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm happy that that's part of my story and mm -hmm. thankful that that's part of my story. I've always loved mom and dad. They've always been the greatest, but I don't think I really uh, fully understood the gift of life adoption gives to, to families. So, right. Right. Yeah. So you went to college to become a therapist? Yeah. Tell yeah. Me about that. An occupational therapist. Um, I grew up in the therapy realm as far as physical therapy, working on my legs and my balance. So I felt kind of ho at home in the therapy department. And I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. And as I went along in school, uh, I job shadowed a few and they were great. Physical therapists are great. I just thought that there was a piece missing for me. Um, and then somebody introduced me to occupational therapy and I thought, what is that? That's got the weirdest name ever. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. And I quickly fell in love with that. And I think the thing that draws me to occupational therapy is we do a lot of analyzing of the person as a whole mm -hmm. and what they need um, to re rehabilitate to whatever occupation or job that they need or want to do. Mm. And so um, I always knew I wanted to work with kids. I started out in, in an outpatient clinic, and I love that. Um, and now I work in schools. I had some kids of my own and needed a schedule that fit around that, so I work in the schools. Mm -hmm. What are some um, specific things that you do with some of your kids? One of the biggest um, things that teachers and administrators come to me with questions about is, is how do we help kids with holding their pencil and writing? Mm -hmm. We have so many digital tools nowadays that writing's kind of um, – becoming a little bit more archaic <laughs> it's not a hopefully not totally obsolete yeah, yeah it's not a it's not a standard in Oregon but it's still expected for kids to show what they know and so when they struggle with being able to to write things down or their answers down or the alphabet um, that's usually when I get called in mm -hmm. um, OTs also look at sensory processing which has to do with how we take in information from our senses and how we make sense of things. And there's a lot of things that can be overwhelming in the school setting. So if a child has, um, you know, a hurdle that they're working towards, whether it be like ADHD or autism or an orthopedic or hearing something or other, mm -hmm. um, whatever it is, uh, with all of the sights and sounds and and um, activity going on in the school setting, sometimes that can be a little overwhelming. So, mm -hmm. so my job is to kind of see how we can put in things in place to make kids' schools days a, a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, and you probably enjoy working with the parents too. Uh, yeah, but, I do. Yeah. I do. I like I like the interactions and and uh, just 
I just like seeing things be successful for kids. There's a lot um, on kids' plates in yeah. school these days, and, yeah. and I just want to help make their days be better. So, you know, you grew up with a disability. What was that like for you growing up? It was hard. I think, uh, you know, Clatsop County is rel- relatively small, con- you know, in comparison to other counties. So I often felt like I was the only one that was different. So trying to figure out how I fit in and where I fit in. And um, it was a little overwhelming. I had a sister who was very, very bright and very smart and caught on to things very, very quickly. And so I think I also really always wanted to um, prove that I could do things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you went to college and made it right? Yeah, so. (laughs) Even with the challenges of, of that. Yeah. What do you think would make it better for kids who have disabilities in schools what how how could people become more sensitive to i just have think of having a general awareness that not everybody learns the same way mm-hmm. sometimes we need tools and there's a lot of really neat tools out there that help learning uh, be a little easier for kids so that they can access and i think just having that that general awareness that not everybody needs the same thing Mm-hmm. That there needs to be different different strategies, different tools mm-hmm. that we put in place. And just because somebody may not speak clearly or, um, you know, speak in the same way, maybe they access an iPad to get the answers out, doesn't necessarily mean that they can't learn or right. um, can't grow. Yeah, yeah. What, you're living on a farm. What kind of animals do you have? Right now we have uh, five goats. <laughs> uh, pigs, uh, cats, one dog, uh, chickens. I think that's it for the moment. <laughs> you lose track, right? People yeah. say, how many dogs do you have? I think, well, let me see. I'm counting different fields and how many are in each one. Yeah. And what are, I think there are nine maybe right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my son was asking me about a pony the other day and I was like, oh, I think we're good. Yeah, I think, I think maybe we don't need to. That might be a no moment. <laughs> but they probably are shown in 4-H. Yes, they do 4-H and uh, sell pigs for market. I didn't necessarily like doing 4-H as a kid, but I appreciate the lessons that it teaches my kids now. Yeah, because you did, uh, you showed pigs in 4-H, didn't you? I remember yeah. against my kids. <laughs> so my kids did. Yeah, yeah. Even just the idea of washing your pig and trying to groom them and to do. <laughs> yeah. Escaping, pigs escaping yeah. and chasing after and doing. <laughs> Yeah, we could do a whole thing on uh, 4-H, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your kids, did they, what's their reaction to your news? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm sure you haven't told them everything at their age. Yeah, um, too, but you know, what's... my son is a little older, and he has always been the type that kind of wants to know straight up, like, wh- what things are and what they mean and why. Um, so he knows a little bit more about my story than than my daughter, but I think both of them really get the idea that, wow, um, this, ha- you know, this, ha- somebody made a choice that impacted mom's life. And, and, um, and I think that they know that that's, you know, when, when an abortion is, is the deliberate ending mm-hmm. of a human life. So they understand that 
there was a possibility that mom couldn't be here. And I'm not a perfect parent by any means, but I do hope that they look back and I think, wow, you know, mom didn't really understand all that mm-hmm. and what it meant and why that's why that's a part of her story. But she did lean on her faith and she it was real yeah. and she did the best she could. So I hope that that's what they can pull from <laughs> in the last five years. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what's going to, what actually um, affects our kids and what doesn't. Um, were you ever able to contact your birth mom? Um, I did uh, find find uh, her name and I have written her some letters. So I'm hoping and praying that that has a positive outcome mm-hmm. for, yeah. for both of us. Cause yeah. I, I, uh, I care about her and, and the care and concern that I have for her can, I can only say comes from above. So, Mm -hmm. so there is that. Yeah. Yeah. What's the thing that brings you the most joy? I love my family. I love life. I love my friends, you know, my, my new friends, my old friends. (laughs) Um, I just love being able to help people and, and um, my newfound joy is helping others who may have just learned about their story or maybe they've known about it for a long time and then are just now seeking support. And I think when when you're able to lessen the burden a little bit for somebody, that makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. Brings yeah. Me joy. Yeah. So um, I'd like to put a link in the show notes for uh, anything that you've got available for people in case they're in that situation, know someone that's in that situation uh, to where they could go. And sure. Yeah. yeah. The network is really striving to uh, reach, not just survivors, but the families of survivors. Mm-hmm. And, and that includes birth moms and dads. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, is it okay to have a contact for you in case somebody wanted to talk to you or not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you. This has been yeah, a pleasure. Nice. Appreciate it. Nice to have you vulnerably share your story with us. Appreciate them. 17,855 babies have survived an abortion since 1973. Those are the ones they know about. 600 survivors have been connected through Abortion Services Network. The mission is to create a world where the incidence of failed abortions and the lives of survivors is openly discussed and accepted, and survivors and their families are supported and healed. If you or someone you know is a survivor, there is help and hope at abortionsurvivors.org. You can find the link in the show notes found under this podcast or on my website at jan-johnson.com. Access to transcripts is also available there. If you'd like to share this or other episodes, tap the three dots to the right of the title. An option for sharing is there. Did you know that if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Sound of Her Heart? Just go to jan-johnson.com. Thanks again for spending time with me and my guest. I hope to see you next time.